Welcome to episode 26 of the Win and Six podcast, official podcast behind com. I'm your host, Sites Editor in Chief Adam McGee, and joining me this week we have Jordan Tresky, Mike Gartland, and Ty Windish. Season is finally back, and we're here to discuss your one and three Milwaukee books, um, which is actually better than it could have been. Um, we're on an upward trend. Opponent points are starting to go down. Um, the books have finally managed to close a game out. So we've a lot to look back on over the past week. We'll start straight off the bat because there is probably nothing bigger to talk about. And also, I don't think Mike would let us talk about anything different to begin with. And that, of course, is Giannis. Giannis may not have played the season opener against the Knicks due to suspension. Um, but he's come back with a bang, and now he's gone three straight games. First first time in his career, he's gone three straight games with 20-plus points. Um, hasn't just been the points. There's been a bit of everything thrown in. Let's let's start with Yanis' reactions. Everything that I could have imagined. <clears throat> like, the top expectations, the top of like how I imagine the season going are the first three games that Giannis has played. More specifically, it's that first quarter against the Wizards. That was just, that was like peak Giannis. Like, that's exactly how he's going to look in, like, 2024 when he's carrying us to multiple wins, multiple 50-win seasons. Yeah, I'm happy. Um, I mean, there's still mistakes, but what can you expect? (laughs) I mean, yeah, well, I'm, I'm pulling up stats, I'm doing different things, I'm, I'm a busy man. Um, it's hard to be that happy with the way the team has played as a whole. I mean, am I happy that Giannis is doing really well? Of course, I'm overjoyed. But overall, my entire disposition via Bucks basketball, not that happy. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, how could he not be insanely <laughs> happy about this? I mean, just the fact that he's leading points, but he just looks more... He definitely looks more confident, but you can see that sometimes waver with, you know, if he gets just insanely tired because they have been playing him a lot since uh, the first game, or since he missed the first game. But uh, just, I don't know, it's been really impressive to see him start to come into his own. And there was a play tonight... That was just, it's like he gets on a breakaway. He I, I don't know if he stole the ball, but he at least was you know started to get uh, or with a ball a, tra- a transition, and just the fact that he can like go from being like the fastest player without taking so many steps and then just slow his body 
like the body control that he has at just 20 years old is just incredible. It's crazy. I cannot. I mean, that's what's probably the most or or exciting thing about him is that he's. You can see him starting to kind of put all this limited ability that he has, or limitless ability that he has into basketball skills, and that's what's really exciting to see from such a young player. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that is the, the slowing down was basically his biggest problem up to this point in his career. I mean, it was all one pace, and he couldn't slow down. Um, so that's definitely that's a real marked improvement, is that he just has greater awareness in that sense. I mean, we'll just run through, through his three games, Giannis. Giannis' line so far is 22.7 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, and shooting percentages of 58.1, 42.9, and 83.3. Someone, someone tweeted at me during the game tonight. That's the sort of thing you expect to get tweeted, but it was like, Giannis MVP? Question mark. <laughs> and that sounds funny and all, but that's the sort of thing. If Giannis can, if this isn't just a three-game thing, he'll get himself into conversations, as in ten, top ten guys who could be in the mix there, much sooner than we would have thought. I guess the one thing for me, and tonight was actually my favorite of, of the three games for Giannis. The, obviously, the Wizards game was a complete whirlwind. that was crazy, um, and just the way in which he kicked on in his first game back, it blew everyone away. But tonight I just felt it was more consistent from start to finish. There was no lulls in it. He didn't have the same... I go back to in that Wizards game, he he took one three-pointer, which was like from so far beyond the arc. Oh, and then, he, then quickly after, he missed two really simple layups. And it was like everything else was going so well, but he just still had that in him. Tonight I felt it was much more... He was taking the right shots hence why he's still making most of them. There's still that little curve to develop, but he's taken a massive, massive jump so far. He's still shooting. He was what? After, I don't know the true shooting since the game just start and ended, but his after two games, he was like 71% true shooting. <laughs> it's just been ridiculous. He is at 66.8 true shooting right now, yeah. Yeah, and even when he misses, like they're like shots that should just go in. Like all of his shots are pretty much have pretty much been layups or threes, which is just like he hasn't done any of that little like top of the key jumper that he did. He like we saw like two of every game last year, <clears throat> which is good because that top of the th I'd much rather have him taking top of the key threes than top of the key long twos. The great thing about the top of the key threes is. Teams haven't wised up to it just yet, so he's actually he's still getting so much time. It's like they're they're expecting last year's Giannis, and I guess that's because we've been so used to talking all summer about is he going to make a jump in terms of a shooting, where is he going to go from here? Does he have a three-point shot? Though it's sort of now that as books fans, when you see Giannis open, you're sort of expecting teams to close on him, but they're still giving him that space. They're still inviting him to shoot, and if like at the moment he's shooting above 40% from deep. That's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to get punished. Yeah, I mean, 
There was that one finish, that one crazy crossover finish that he did, where he wouldn't have got that if he hadn't, like, he got them to bite on the three pump fake and then did the crossover and got the finish. But last year, there's no way they bite that hard on his three. And that just gives, I guess it gives an extra dimension to the book's offense right now, particularly, and something we'll get to a little bit later, is say... Chris Middleton isn't making trees quite as we, we expect them to. Um, for Giannis now, I mean, we've talked about this before, but now that we have three games of real evidence of it, what are you guys seeing as realistically sort of holding up from across the season? What's sustainable in terms of points, rebounds, assists as well? Like, uh, Giannis has been assisting a little bit less than he has in the past, but I guess that's a trade-off from being so much more assertive offensively. I don't think he... Sorry to interrupt you, but I don't think he's actually missing out. I think he's passing more than he usually did. He's... People... I feel like a lot of his assists, people are just missing. That, oh, that's a fair point. And that's, I think, the last two games, there has been sort of four or five occasions where he had really great looks for guys and they just missed them. I know Johnny O'Brien had one tonight where he just gave him an incredible pass and he just yeah, couldn't that... finish. I don't even know how he made that pass. Like I don't even know how he got the ball there. I don't think J.O.B. knew either, which was part of the problem. It was like, <laughs> there was no idea how that happened. Yeah, I have no idea how. And even even when he gets some rebounds, like Giannis is the first person I've watched rebound and like watched rebound and been like, that was an impressive rebound. Like I don't know how he got that. Uh, his rebounding now is, uh, and Jeff highlighted this with a couple of vines in his, his post-game grades from the Raptors piece, um, but it was really, like, it's just the strength. There was one with Bismack Biombo, where Biombo is no slouch, and he just basically threw Biombo off the ball. And it just, it's that extra strength. That's what we looked at in terms of him working out all summer, and what was that going to translate to? And the answer is clearly his rebounding now is is so much better than it was before. I mean, just under just under nine rebounds a game, that's going to make a big difference for the Bucks, who are still struggling in rebounding. Even with Giannis doing that, even with Greg Monroe, the Bucks are still currently last in the league in rebounding. Moving on briefly from Giannis, because we're going to come back to him throughout. What have you guys thought of Greg Monroe so far? Um... Has it been exactly what you've expected it to be? Because it seems like it really... It's gone as built in every way possible. He might be better than he was than we thought offensively, but he's been pretty bad defensively as well at times. Yeah. Yeah, I think... He's not, I mean, offensively, he's just been incredibly solid. And, you know, kind of, he was the, <laughs> the only one that kid really, you know, praised for the opening game, and rightfully so. But even, like, the game against Toronto, yeah, you could look at his performance like, oh, he didn't look, it didn't seem like he had as good of a performance, but he was still, like, 14, nine, or 14 points, 9 boards, 5 assists, you know, really helping out the offense and tonight, or the, against uh, Brooklyn, you know, I think you tweeted out this, Adam, but, like, to have that option when they're, you know, minute left of the fourth and they're trying to slow down the ball or slow down the game and kind of get to like just get it to him and help him like facilitate the office or or at least like get a point for them or buckets for him 
it was a really good option to have, and obviously they didn't really have that last year. Yeah, especially tonight you really saw, like, the what Monroe was billed as, is, like, that fourth quarter. You, like, every... I can imagine a lot of fourth quarters last year where we just, like, the defense locked down and we just couldn't move the ball. We weren't getting the cuts we usually got, and we just, like, couldn't get anything. And we started to see that, and we just, like, went to Moose in the post, like three straight, and he just, he had that one where he got it, like, all the way in the corner three, and he did, like, a crazy spin move, and it's just, I don't know, we just have never had a guy where we can just, like, throw the ball to him, and he can get it for us. The spin moves have been, they've been so much better than I would have expected. I mean, he's he's quicker on his feet than I guess you would have thought to begin with. He just, he has real sort of I don't know, this, this real sort of... He's, he's sprayed a foot around the paint, and he can just get what he wants. Like, I mean, there's been some interesting things I found. First of all, his jump shot, and I knocked his jump shot a lot throughout the summer. He's actually shown flashes of it. Um, I mean, let's have a look. In catch-and-shoot situations, he's shooting 75% from the field. Wow. Now that's only at about that's only at ten point five percent frequency, so it's really one in ten times the ball's coming to him and he's making a field goal attempt. Is it a catch I was and shoot? Gonna say he's probably made like five yeah. jumps I can think of. <laughs> five jumpers is more than I was expecting through four games though, really. <laughs> I mean that's that's it's not a lot. I don't want to see him miles away from the basket because he's doing his best work right in around the hoop. But just to have that option, that once again, it's the same as the Annis effector. If teams aren't going to respect them, get tight in them, and stop him from making a shot, let him shoot it and let him make it, and that that'll be that'll be for everyone else around the league to deal with. Um, his defensive side of the game, there's a big jump to be made. In awareness, what I could see, I think that's that's the best way of putting it more than anything else. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I think um, I will say before I get into criticizing his defense, I will say I think he played really well defensively tonight, like especially at double teams and kind of like that baseline trap that they you know were kind of used to doing at, like at their peak last year. That kind of really worked well with him, at least. Um, but yeah, sorry, he, just, he, just to cut across you there, Jordan, because it, that for me, that's by far the best books play of the season. It was the, the first time that it looked like the defense we grew accustomed yeah. to last year, but the most noteworthy part of it for me was the two guys who they twice went, and I'm pretty sure it was Jared Jack, they tried to trap over on the, over on the sideline. It was Greg Monroe and it was Grievous Vasquez. So it was two new guys who are definitely not known for their defense and also shouldn't mm -hmm. be, I guess, in sync with what the books are looking to do defensively. So I took a lot of, I guess I found a lot of promise in that. I thought it was really encouraging. Mm. The yeah, Bucks have just... Been... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. That's my fault. <laughs> uh, just to finish up, yeah, you can just tell, though, it's new, it's new to him taking maybe a second too long, and I think that kind of goes not just for Monroe, but for all the new guys in the, in the scheme. And it, it was, it's alarming to see in four games kind of that still happening because he hopefully 
you want them to be rolling when the season comes around, but it's just growing pains at this point. I mean, maybe we shouldn't be super surprised that there's still growing pains. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge still isn't super accustomed to Spurs yet. I mean, he's not bad over there. He's LaMarcus Aldridge. He's not bad anymore. But it, it takes some adjustment for guys in a new system. I mean, Monroe went from being shoved next to uh, Andre Drummond as a power forward, not really having that much room to operate in a completely different system, probably on offense and defense, to being the, the center the center centerpiece, I suppose, in a Bucks that runs a pretty complicated defense and a little bit different offense than he's been used to. So I mean I think his defense hasn't been ideal is one way to put it through these first four games. But uh, his defensive rebounding is really what I'm a little worried about, especially in the first two games, but it was a little better than that. Uh, John Henson will help with that when he's back on the court a bit. But, I mean, I, I think Monroe has been really promising so far. I think no one expected Giannis to be the Bucks' leading scorer through these games. He is right now. He's barely edging out Greg. But, uh, I mean, I think he's, he's acclimated himself pretty well. And like Mike was talking about earlier, having that go-to scoring presence down low is, is so huge. There were some players where, I mean, you could just tell no one really had anything going. Middleton's been struggling a bit so far. And having the ability to just say, well, I mean, they got Brooke Lopez, so here, go get two points, Greg Monroe. I mean, shot 10 for 14 against the Nets tonight. That's crazy. So that's so invaluable right now. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened at the end of this game because the way the books were going and trying to win was, or well, maybe it's unfair to say the way the books were going, Chris Middleton was taking it upon himself to shoot three-pointers. And they weren't going in as they haven't really from so far. And it was after two possessions in a row where Middleton had jacked up quick trees. Um, it was from then on that it was basically let MCW bring the ball down the court, then let him hand it off to Giannis, and <laughs> yeah, and let Giannis work out a way to get the ball to Monroe. And that could well be a look at how the books are going to play in terms of clutch offense now. And <laughs> as I'm sure you guys are, I'm pretty comfortable with that idea. I mean, if if you feel like MCW has more control to bring the ball down the court, that makes sense. But then Giannis might just have a little bit more creativity with his passing. Um, so to me, that that's sort of a logical pattern of events for the books to run with when they're looking for, for baskets in really sort of big situations on offense. I don't know if Giannis is more creative. I think he just has 12-foot arms that are really good at passing into the post. That's that's true. He's probably not naturally more creative, but his instincts or his I guess his his natural physical gifts give him a, give him an advantage that Michael Carter Williams doesn't necessarily always have. Um, while we're talking about Michael Carter Williams, it's been a roller coaster ride so far um, for MCW. His his basic stat line looks pretty good if you're a very casual NBA fan, as in Michael Carter-Williams is. He's racking up his share of points, good amounts of assists, some rebounds, some steals. He's looked pretty good besides that Knicks game, which I'm not going to fault that Knicks game against him. It was the opening night, and it was no Giannis. I'm sure Kid was like... It's all you, man. He had like he had like something like 33 usage or something ridiculous. Yeah, like um, that game. I I did feel like that at the time. It was 
he took way too many shots, but at times it was like, well, what else am I supposed to do? Because there were other guys who weren't really taking it upon themselves. So somebody had to do something. It just so happened he was the guy who did it, and that's not necessarily ideal. I mean, the one thing I'd say about um, about MCW is they're in all the areas you want them to improve, he's showing flashes of improving. Um, but just the very next play, he'll go down and he'll, he'll show exactly the same old Michael Carter Williams. And that goes for, say, his, his three-point shooting, where we saw him make two three-pointers last night, and we also seen him airball two three-pointers, where it's like, there's not a whole lot you can do. Uh, but then tonight, I mean, the play that defined the game, and I tweeted this out earlier, but could become, if the books completely turn around from here and go on a bit of a run, it could become a season-defining or season-starting play and that was his steal out of nowhere when it looked like the Nets were going to go through for an easy basket with about 90 seconds left. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think of where Michael Carter was? I've seen some stuff. I've seen some stuff on Twitter, which is very much, I guess, reactionary, and it's the sort of thing you often see on Twitter about reducing his role and well, what if someone else could step up? Now, first and foremost, I don't think the books have. The luxury of that right now. Teaminess, come on. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be on. He's gonna be on minutes restrictions, but I'm gonna stick with my. Gonna stick with what I said originally. Um, do you think the right decision for the moment, anyway, is still to let's take a good look at Michael Carter Williams, see how his game is developing, and take it from there, maybe later in the season. One hundred percent, yo. I'm not, I was a big fan of Brandon Knight, but he was clearly – the Bucks were a better team with him on the team, no matter what. They, they, have a better, they had a better record with him in the half year the, <laughs> last year. But uh, I just think it's – I mean, it's growing pains. It's, I don't know. It's We're not going to find out the answer in four games if he's our future point guard. It's just not – Given the situation with Jabari, who's I mean obviously he's coming back Wednesday, but he's not he's still gonna be really limited. The answer is not gonna come at the beginning of the season. And I We think really don't seeing... have to make a decision. Sorry. We really don't have to make a decision until the contract extension, really. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah, I, I I would totally agree with that. I just think you know, it's really easy to scapegoat him, and I know he's got many flaws, and maybe I'm just more pro-MCW than most people, but he has a clear offering of what he brings to his team, and I know their record is hasn't been that great with him on the team, but he's, he's at least a plus every since he's been a buck. In, in, I don't know how many games now, 30 games, or at least 35 games maybe now. There's enough sample size that he, there's something to work with, and he his assist numbers have gone up. And granted, it's only four four games. His turnovers have gone down. I think every single game so far this season, and he knows how to play defense. Like they, you know, I, I mean, Grius Vasquez and Jared Bayless trying to guard ones are really not ideal. <laughs> and Michael Carter Williams offers a solid option like that. Like, can I, just to give an example of, because this is something just you're saying that there entered my head, and I've gone and double-checked it, and it's one of these cases where obviously the eye test proves to be right, but 
I've always felt that when Michael Carter Williams comes off the floor, that's when a lot of the problems start for the books. As much as people criticize him when he's on the floor, things sort of stay together. It doesn't really all fall apart. And that shows in his on-off number so far this season. Okay, we're only looking at four-game sample size. With Michael Carter Williams on the court, the books plus minus at the moment is negative 4.2. With Michael Carter Williams off the court, it's minus 22.1. Go. That's that's a horrible sample size. <laughs> that's well, that obviously the Knicks game had to be. And that plays that plays game. a factor in it, but I think that is a bit of an indictment of how maybe Vasquez and Bayless have done in their time in the second unit so far. Bayless obviously had a great game, great game against the Nets tonight, but has been Jared Bayless basically in every other game so far. Um, mm. Vasquez <laughs> has yet to have any sort of semblance of a complete game. Um, tonight he was really good at passing. The shooting hasn't really been there at all. I think it was actually... Was it the Knicks game? Um, might have been the best all round for Vasquez. Oh yeah, yeah eight like points, seven rebounds, five assists. No. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't even his fault on that night in terms of the drop off to, to from Michael Carter's on and off the court. Right now, they don't have another option that's anywhere near as good, and I know that brings up the whole. The discussion of the trade and whether it was the right thing to do. I think for now they've got a they've got a ride with it. I mean, there is no decision to be made until extension time. That's that's right. But I mean, right now I think the way this book team has got, they've got the team that I think they wanted to construct for this year anyway. So I think the books really should just let that team play out this year and see how it goes. And um, we've talked before, and everybody knows that John Hammond is fond of making trades. Unless he could get something that really made a positive impact on the team, either now or in the future, I think this is the year where maybe he should step back and let the team develop together. Yeah, I would agree with that. And kind of finish up my point with MCW is, you know, for whatever reason, again, this kind of sounds like a bailout for him, but the bench has not been what the bench was before he came here. I don't know why. Injuries were a big part of it last year. But, I mean, they're still – not only are they still trying to figure out how to play with them, but the whole team is still trying to figure out how to play with each other. That's first unit, second unit, you know, the guys that don't get that much time, like Inglis and Vaughn. I mean, they're still, you know, trying to want to get some time. But I don't know. It's just it's very easy to say 11 and – or probably 12 and 20 at this point with MCW, but there's more factors than just, oh, the trade, you know. It would be really interesting to see something like uh, the Bucks bench plus minus or point differential since MCW has been on the team. Because I feel like our bench has just been absolute garbage since then. I mean, he's had, yeah, a lot of those injuries. Like We talked about how big Jared Dudley was for the bench last year. But Dudley missed a pretty significant stretch, if I'm remembering correctly, mm -hmm. around the time that Michael Carter-Williams came in. Yeah, he pretty much just like had back issues the entire second half of the season, and and we pretty much just rested him for playoffs to try to. And at that time as well, didn't Mayo miss? We'll say, was it four or five games? 
Yep. And, and Bayless has played through injury. I mean, that's why... That was our problem last year. Yeah. I want to say Frank Madden tweeted out something last year, or last year, last week about the bench post-FCW trade, and it was like 85 points per 100% possessions or something like that last year at the till the end of the season. So, I mean, it just shows you that the injuries just played such a big factor and just no one was clicking except for that starting unit. Yeah, I have a I have a little uh, MCW conspiracy theory. <laughs> I, uh, well, first, first off, this isn't a conspiracy theory. I'm surprised the, they're not minus 600 with him off the court because it felt like that was uh, how many points Vasquez and Bayless gave up to Lowry and DeRozan in that Raptors game when... Those two faced though that was terrible. I mean that was. There's no D in Milwaukee Bucks, but if there was a D in Milwaukee Bucks, I would have tweeted Milwaukee Bucks without the D, and then said there's no D in this team because that oh, that game. My conspiracy theory is that Kendall Marshall was not retained, just because he would have been a really like he would have been the only point guard on this team to actually be competition to Michael Carter Williams. Like I don't think you can make a real strong case for Tyler Ennis, Jared Bayless, or Grievous Vasquez to be the starter for this team, like, unless there's an injury or something. Do you not think, you know with part of that, though, that they'd like Michael Carter-Williams to have some competition just to sort of, I guess, smooth out some of the rough edges in his game, push him a well, little bit they harder? Did, they, then they didn't really show it because he doesn't really... I mean, those guys are... I mean, Ennis is a project, but no one, not even Mike, has... As crazed can, as Mike can come off sometimes. Mike doesn't even think Tyler Ennis should actually start for this team on Wednesday night. Like, it's not really... <clears throat> oh, abs- absolutely not. Exactly. But you never know. Not even Mike. Crazy. <laughs> I was waiting for the you never know. <laughs> um, the thing I'd like to put on that, though, Ty, is... And this is this seems to be a wider thing in, in the whole books community right now. It may turn out to be the wrong fit for the books. It might not work out. But Grievous Vasquez is not a terrible player or a terrible backup point guard. No, like, I, I don't think he's, he's proven. El- he's, he's proven elsewhere. I think he could, as the season goes on, push Michael Carter Williams a little bit. But they're so completely different as players that it's never going to be quite like that. Like I would have much preferred if we're doing the whole like today, right? Bale has worked out once again. But if you're going to do the whole two point guard backcourt as starters, I think. Vasquez and Michael Carter Williams as skill sets makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head right away. I think Vasquez is a really good backup point guard. That's why I don't think he's real competition. Like, plus his contract's up after this year. Plus he's a lot older. Like, there's outside of you who is, if anyone doesn't know, Adam. Adam is a huge Grievous Vasquez fan. Outside of you, and I like Grievous Vasquez. I mean, he was 0 for 8 tonight. I've got to be honest. I'm trying to justify it and hang on a little bit because I have my jersey ordered. It still hasn't arrived. And it and you'd assist zero turnovers. Though. Yeah, exactly. One turnover, yeah. I think it was. One, One turnover. turnover. Um, yeah. No, I'm not I'm not dissing. I, I just don't think he's a viable alternative to be a long-term starter. I no, and not I, I agree with that completely. Like, if Vasquez is a long-term starter... That's I mean, disastrous. Mm. I think yeah. Kendall Marshall was really good. He would have been really good competition because he's a great passer. He's a 30-some percent shooter from three over his career, and he plays really good defense, he, and he's 24. He might struggle to get time in Philly when he comes back healthy the way TJ McConnell's playing. 
Let's trade him. Let's get him back. I don't know. I don't know if any of you have heard of TJ McConnell. Um, Do you think they'll trade MCW for uh, for him? Uh, who, who knows? Do Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall from back to Philly. Maybe they've got. I think they've got like a Lakers pick. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds like an idea. Do any of you guys know who TJ McConnell is? No. He's a point guard on the Sixers. You just said. He is a point guard in the Sixers. I've got to read his line to you for tonight. Did he go to Arizona? Um, I think that's true, but my college basketball knowledge wouldn't be oh, quite yeah, that did. great. So I'm, I'm going to go, yeah. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> anyway, tonight... He um, did, Jordan. He did. I see TJ McConnell, he was something like third in terms of steals amongst point guards before tonight. Um, then tonight against the Cavs, he had 6.7 rebounds, 12 assists. What? In 23 minutes of play. This guy is so new, he doesn't even have a basketball. Right? Against the Cavs? Against the Cavs, okay. Yeah, I was I was wondering who the first person to bring up against the Cavs would be. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, all the same, against the Cavs who's, and who's for the Sixers. Who's the Cavs point cards right now, though? Uh, Mo, Mo Williams. Williams dude. Right. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... We should be the last people talking about how performances were against certain teams. This was a close win against the Nets. Any given Sunday, man. <laughs> I Do guess. you know where the books currently are in assists per game? They gotta be up there. Uh, they're like top five. They're fifth, exactly. <clears throat> you wanna try me? I watch League Pass, man. <laughs> Watch all those commercials. <laughs> Bucks are first in free throw percentage too. I'm gonna actually, because really? I've noticed lots yeah. of like the, the wow. messing up rookies' faces and stuff on on the league pass commercials. I've seen lots of tweets of that. They've actually in Ireland they've removed those looping league pass commercials, and it's the best thing ever. I just what, get in arena feed now, so you just see like what's going what? on in the arena That's during awesome. the break. You don't you, don't you miss the like '80s arena rock music? Play in the background, like, do, 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 do. No, because there's obviously a problem. It would be, like, three in the morning, and this actually happened today, that the book's feed was really low in terms of volume, so you turn it up, and you just sort of be like, okay, I'm sort of semi-falling asleep here, and then it cuts to the commercial, and that music just comes in ten times louder. (laughs) No, I'm enjoying seeing actual in-arena action um, on International League Pass right now. No blackouts either, so... You can all be jealous. Um, You're so special. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this probably applies to me and maybe one other person who listens to this podcast, so this part of it's gone on way too long. Um, I guess, talking in terms of, just before we move on from Vasquez, from Bayless, on the backup point guards, when everyone's healthy and Mayo comes back into the rotation, Jabari pushes people down, down a spot then as well, who do you see, and this isn't who do you want to see, but who do you expect to be the first choice backup point guard? Giannis. <laughs> no, but who do I actually see? Probably Bayless, unfortunately. Yeah, it's this is this is what I'm thinking too. his three point shot has looked really good. This is not not just the Brooklyn game. But I want to say the Wizards game, he had like three threes, 
something like that. I think he can only hit threes he's, right now. Like he's shooting forty-four point four percent from three. Um, he but he has that rare, rare feat of shooting a lower percentage from the field. He's only a forty percent from the field. Oh my god! Curry, yeah, I was gonna say his floater is like a sinker right now. It's not hitting anything. It's terrible. Sorry, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I, I, I like the. It was all word of his floater as a singer yeah, right now. Yeah, I really like that. And joke was a floater. <laughs> a Bayless floater. Um, here's my uh, Michael excited stat for the day. Um, I was checking the. There's more than one of these now. It's like of the minute. Um, I was checking the Bucks three point shooters because I thought Bayless might have been first. He's not. Chris Copeland is doing the only thing he is really capable yeah. of doing right now. He also has a higher percentage from three than field goal. He's 54.5 from three, 47.1 from uh, the field. Just behind Jared Davis from three, third on the team, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 42.9% through three games. That's crazy. <laughs> it's been, it's looked great. Even his misses have looked, looked good. Well, were you the one that tweeted that? Um, I don't. It was like one, some random miss, but I think you'll remember the tweet. It was he. He changed his shot form. Like when he <laughs> shoots from the right form, I think the percentage would probably be. Yeah, right. sometimes he sometimes he reverts to like his old form, and he does it when he's like when he thinks about it. Yeah. Like like when his first three of the season was like what five feet behind the three point line. There's like two seconds yeah. left, and he just pulled it up. If he just shoot like that every time, I don't even. That's an international law of basketball. Like if you take too long, it'll go out. Was that Bogdanovich today who had like forty seconds and it missed? Right, he like time. made lunch and then took the shot and still yeah, missed. You can't wait that long. If you wait that long, it'll miss. That's like the law of three point shooting. You have I to did, just shoot it right away. I I am remembering Yanis making. I think it might have been last night that he make one though where he. It was literally like an eternity before anyone came close to him. Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just if he goes into his, if he goes into his shot correctly, then even the ones he misses are good. I've, I don't know, I've just, I'm dumbfounded by how good Giannis has looked these first three games. With with that in mind. And it's not something that I necessarily want to see more of because he's been so dominant going to the basket. But does it surprise you guys a little bit that we've seen so little of... I say so little, I can't think really of any of the, the mid-range and long two-pointers that Giannis used to be fond of. He's basically eliminated them from his game completely. And that was the thing last year that we were all going, the long two, that shows that he has the potential to stretch out his range and shoot the tree. Well, it's basically gone completely you now. It's it's either in at the rim or behind the three-point line, which is, in terms of efficiency and in terms of how to play basketball by analytics, it's it's ideal. But does that surprise you guys a little bit that that just seems to be gone? I don't think so. If I think back to most of the, sh- the threes he's taken and then the long twos he took last year, they're pretty much in the same spot. They're just... Like last year, they were a step in from the three-point line. They were that is that one at the top of the key, and then like both above the break threes, but as long twos, and then corner threes, but as long twos. And now he's just it's just like he's pushed that step out. He's taking that step out to the three-point line. 
that's a conscious thing though too, right? I mean, that's that's just showing him being smarter all around. You don't want to get caught just one foot inside the three point line. I mean, it's that sort of thing. Even and um, there was one early in the game where it was I think it was his first three pointer tonight. It was in transition. And oh, yeah. it was like last year he might have taken those extra few steps and then looked for the mm-hmm. ball. But he did. He pulled himself back, he stopped, and he waited for the pass to come to him before taking the shot. Like, I mean, that's the sort of thing where it shows his judgment is improving. In that sense, he's not just rushing to get to a spot where he can get the ball. He's actually thinking, well, not only where's the best place for me to get the ball, but where can I do the most damage with the ball as well? And that's like, that's a new bow to his arsenal. This is, for me, like, there's no questions over what Giannis can do in terms of ability. What fascinates me is his mentality, and it's it is he's like so raw, and he still comes across as so immature, both on and off the court at times. It's like as soon as he can get all of that under control, that's when there really is no stopping him. Um, but those sort of small decisions are what really get me thinking. Well, maybe this is the big jump about to happen because we know he can do everything else. I mean. That's the sort of stuff we've we've seen coming for quite a while. It's just about whether you can put it all together, and that's the sort of thing the hints maybe you can. What's I wonder what the largest single season points per game jump is. I think it's Butler. Butler's got. Butler like went from like third. He went from like. Uh, I can totally get this wrong. I want to say like twelve points per game to like twenty last year. At least that was last year. I could be. I get wrong, but I mean the eight point jump Jimmy, is really significant. Jimmy Butler went from thirteen to twenty. Oh. Like and, I mean that's yeah. that's completely in the ballpark for Giannis. Right? Giannis right now is going from twelve to twenty three. Jeez. <laughs> and I mean the thing about Giannis was last year when he was getting twenty point games and stuff, he was just like <clears throat> like the one against the Pelicans, he was just like he was making a lot of shots. He's making a lot of shots out of like I don't know, just like sorry, my roommate came into my room and destroyed my train of thought. Holy crap. <laughs> the thing I'll sorry. say about that, just while you're you may be trying to get it back, the thing with Butler, even if Yanis doesn't make quite as significant a jump in points, but say if he comes out maybe just around the twenty point mark or just a little below, the difference in that is at the moment, Yanis has also gone from 6.7 boards to 9 boards a game. Where for mm-hmm. Butler, he went from 4.9 to 5.8. I mean, that's the thing. is Not only could Yanis potentially match the scoring that Jimmy Butler gave, but he'd be doing it with so much more in terms of rebounding. Um, more in terms of stealing the ball, probably, as well as the season plays out. More blocks. I mean, when you look at it, how Butler has been touted this year. If Giannis can keep up his scoring, and that's the part that's definitely going to be the biggest challenge or the most interesting to see, but if he can keep that up with everything else, I mean, you're looking at a player who really would be amongst the real elite in the NBA already. Can we talk yeah. about how, how rightly... Oh, sorry, Jordan. No, no, you go. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Uh, um, can we talk about how right on Bill Simmons was with that piece about Giannis that was like months old now that I believed in and then wrote off and then believed in again? Yeah, here's the, the abbreviated quote a little bit. With, with Giannis, it's a little more under the radar like it was with T-Mac in year two. 
He's like a Durant slash T-Max scoring fetus. I can see it. How he bounces off people in traffic, how he gets his shot off from crazy angles, how he explodes to the rim, how he gets good shots off even when his opponent is playing perfect defense. Um, in his second year, Giannis isn't even scoring 13 points a game. I bet that it doubles within three years. I know that they don't sell Buck stock, but buy it anyway. It looks like it might double in one year right now. Like this yeah. is insane. I mean, the, the most telling line that for me is the getting off a good shot even when his opponent plays perfect defense because that was his fadeaway in the lane tonight. Oh, yeah, oh, that play <laughs> if that If that becomes a weapon, it's pretty much over. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he can hit that, like, consistently, what you, you can't. Can't even stop it. I mean, like, the count guys in the NBA who can hit that shot consistently, aside from Kevin Durant... LeBron, sometimes? I don't even know if that shot is, like... I don't think Le- LeBron would have that shot down quite as well. Durant is the only guy I could think who... I trust him with that shot. I'm trying yes. to think back. Obviously, uh, maybe Dirk as well, because Dirk can hit anything fading away. Yeah. Um, but there really isn't a whole lot of guys... And it's like a it's besides the fade and the difficulty, it's like a wide open shot for him every time. Because there's yeah. no way someone's gonna play him fading that because he just dunks it if you like go for his fade. And I guess as well as that, his his length and his wingspan means that even when he's fading, he's not he's not losing height like some other guys would be. He's not in as much danger for the shot to be blocked. So that's when when a really long guy develops a fadeaway. That's what causes all sorts of trouble because you just can't stop it. I remembered my point about uh, Giannis, so I'm gonna go back to that, rewind it. it. The main thing I remember, I I find different from this year to last year is last year it felt like when Giannis was scoring 30, he was like exploiting a ridiculous matchup, or he was like having like it was like in a normal amount of highlight dunk plays, and like he just got like a lot of steals and got him going. But this year it just feels like. I don't know, like, he could just, like, score 20 every game. Like, it doesn't feel like he's... It doesn't feel like the other team's giving him his points as much as he's been earning them. Like, even this year in the Nets, tonight in the Nets game, I don't even really think Giannis had one of those highlight, fast break, insane dunks. Like, he had his Euro step dunk, but most of his points came in, like, half court or, like the secondary transition, which he wasn't really scoring a lot in last year, and are, it's way more of a reliable way for him to score than last year. Just to uh, back up Mike's point about this game, uh, not many fast breaks, it's definitely possible Giannis had none because we know was that Bayless had the dunk. That was a fast break, I want to say. And the Bucks only had seven fast break points total in the game, so it's definitely possible Giannis had none. He had that one Euro step dunk, and yeah. that, that's really Aside the only one way. I can think of. Because they don't really count secondary fast break points, do they? It's just like right. I mean, there was there was one opportunity he had. I know he tweeted about, and that was when Vasquez brought the ball down court, and Yanis Yanis making a beeline to the rim, and you're like, just throw it up, and he. Pass backwards to Baylor. Three right, there's just those there's those fast breaks where you see at like mid half court, you're like Giannis dunk. Yeah, <laughs> like you just yeah. see it happening, or like the lay all of his alley oops, like everyone you like see it like 
halfway down the court, you're like, it's over. He's that's the thing too. Uh, that's really, I think, impressive. It's still, I mean, there's still like kings to be worked out about it, but his cuts are like at the right time. Like he's getting his timing down. Like it's not just clogging up the lane and just kind of like a free for all. It's like he like that like the play that you were just saying. Like he knows how to like trail and knows that the lanes just gonna like naturally open up for him. Like that's what's really like kicky in. For him, that's incredibly sp- like special to watch. It's insane. I don't. I mean, it's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's. <clears throat> I think we've loved Giannis a substantial amount, and he deserves it because it's just. <clears throat> I know that we're we're about to go into complaining about Copeland and Job and all of those guys, but <clears throat> none of those guys will be on this team in three years, and. Giannis is starting to look like what I thought he'd look like in three years. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why do you say J-O-B? Sorry, sorry. J-O-B... Let's not, let's not say that's a definitely J-O-B. be on this team in three years. J-O-B is will that, be on the all-star team in three years. I'll take that bet right now. <laughs> Give you odds. 2,000 to 1. I, I oh, just can't believe that we've, we've actually... This, I'm impressed that we've managed to satisfy Mike's Giannis quota. We've yeah. given him love. It's only been it's only been three games, man. I'm not I'm not I'm not going all the, I'm not going overboard yet. Who is this and guy and where does he tweet from? He's <laughs> been forty two point nine percent from three. Like I'm starting to feel it. I mean forty two point nine percent. Yeah, it's not three. like he's not he's taken like two a game. Mm. Over two. Two point three a game. Yeah. Keep that up, it's over. Right, we're back to three-point shooting, so let's touch on this a little bit. Um, I guess the, the first guy to touch on this is we, we get to Copeland, but the real talking point has got to be Middleton here. Oh, yeah. Why? <sighs> it's not good. Well, it's, it's not that it's not good, but he looks... He just looks a step slow. He doesn't look as... He's not quite in rhythm in any way. I mean... He looked fine tonight. 17 mm-hmm. points on, what was it, 50% shooting? What about his three-pointers late in the game? Yeah, I mean, he's... That one wide he's open. notoriously <laughs> slow. I mean, last year he started really slow. Even in the preseason, those first couple games, he started slow. I don't know. Just, yeah, that... He's always been just, like, ramping up. To double down on what Mike said, he the stuff that I noticed in the preseason, like the foul trouble, stuff like little stuff like that that really I don't I for some reason with Middleton he's kind of it just that little thing to you know kind of knocks up his rhythm and I think I don't think we kind of noticed it last year because he, his role obviously was not what it was now at this time, but Thank there was you. a reason why he kind of grew out of nowhere. You know what I mean? He's he he. There was games where he was he started. I think I think he's the only starter from last year for the opening game that started this year, and he was benched at times. And I think I hate to I just chalk it up for like a slow start, but that that kind of seems like his mo at this point. I don't think he started last year. I think him and Giannis started. No, he he's the only he's the only one that started. Oh, he did. He started the first three games, and then he was benched. 
until the 32nd game. Then he was a starter the rest of the year. The thing you mentioned there, Jordan, about in preseason, his, his fouling sort of, it just puts him out of any sort of rhythm or flow. He's still fouling quite a bit early on. I mean, I think he's got, he has 15 personal fouls in the first four games, which is 3.8 per game. He's leading the team. Um, and that's that's leading ahead of Yanis, who hasn't fouled quite as much, but he has fouled out once. I mean... And plug mine. If there was a line on is Giannis going to foul out, if there was a line on is Giannis going to foul out of his first game back from suspension against the Wizards at home, I would have 100% bet that Giannis is going to foul out. He is always way too excited, and especially he almost he looked good in the Nets game, but his fourth quarter he we tried to go to him a couple times and he. Missed twice at the oh. rim. Missed like four oh. times at the rim, all that he should have just finished. And then he like had like two turnovers when they tried to go one-on-one with Joe Johnson against him. Yeah, I mean, frustration definitely played into that with the way the game was going. And as well, Yanis, much like everybody else, um, particularly you, Mike, following your, your prediction on last week's podcast, but Yanis wanted his career high. Like, oh yeah, you could t- in that Wizards game he was gunning for thirty so hard, and that's why I love Giannis. He's always aware of his stat line. I, I mean, it it was, and it was when he couldn't get the ball or when the shots weren't falling. He wanted it more, and that's that's where the fouls came out of. And um, so yeah, that one was sort of you couldn't have any complaints on it. It was just like, yeah, that's Giannis. I mean, that's <laughs> right, and it's like. Every time I get mad about those things, like him overfouling or him going too fast or him stepping out of bounds, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's 20 years old. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and he's a long way to mature. Just when we're on fouling, we're going to do something. We'll, we're going to revisit this regularly. This is at the request of one <laughs> Jordan Tresky. Um, but it seems like it might be a good idea just to keep count of how many points Miles Plumley scores as opposed to how many times he fouls. Yeah, I just I just pulled up his, his fouls per 36, and it's ridiculous. Do you have that number right now? Well, you give that one first, because I'm looking at totals just for, for the point of this, this new segment of our podcast. But go on, give us... I'm so proud points. of this, by the way. I'm so proud of this. <laughs> Miles Plumley is averaging 9.6 personal fouls per 36. Oh, my Lord. That's insane. That's impressive. In terms of in terms of totals, he has fourteen points. He has ten fouls. Oh, this got, this segment he's got some this segment is, to do for next week. This segment has to be uh, called the Jan Vesely game because at one point Jan Vesely, who plays over in Europe now, there was a point where he was going to finish more with more fouls than points in a season. So I would like to call this the Jan Vesely game. Miles might push it. I mean, that's incredible. And it's so, every time it's so obvious, like, he puts his body in front of someone, and the ref just calls him right away, and you just see him, like, make his face. (laughs) And then in the paint, he gets so bold. Like, I don't, I I like Miles Bowling, but he's gotten so bold in the paint, it's been really hard. I mean, actually, like, this game, looking at the points isn't probably fair, because it's, that's even... Even more damning on Plumley. 
He's really there to rebound and sort of offer an inside presence. His rebounds, so once again, I'll remind you, he has 10 personal fouls so far in the season. He has only 8 rebounds. 8? 8. Yeah. More, more fouls than rebounds. My favorite thing about Miles Plumlee's fouling is that he's not at all an enforcer. Like, you'd think a guy fouling that much, like, they'd be like, okay, Miles. Right? Why isn't he, like, body checking people? Like, yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to average nine point six fouls per 30 seconds. Got a razor in his socks. Well, at least, like, it, play Jordan rules. You know, like, push Bradley Beal over. Don't just right? set an illegal screen. That's, so, that's such a waste of the foul, Miles. If you're going to foul him on a three-pointer, check him into the bench. D- don't let him make the three-pointer. That's the most important thing. I, I just mean, want to point out that in my NBA 2K K my career, I made a point guard, and Miles Plumlee is the starting center for the Bucks. So that'll happen. That's, this Miles. is this is the books. I mean, that's the that's the Zaza Pachulia effect. I mean, <laughs> that Henson contract is plays out like last season. We all know Miles Plumlee is going to end the season as starting center. That's true. We're all going to complain about Zaza, and then we'll trade Miles Plumlee for a second-round pick, and our defense will suck next year. <laughs> Just on that note, because I feel like it's it's my duty to remind everyone of this, and I did tweet it earlier. So far, one, the Mavs are 2-1, and one, which I talked about. I, I do think the Mavs are going to be better than, than most of you guys thought they were going to be. But most importantly of all, Zaza is averaging 10 points, 10 rebounds, and has a defensive rating of around 85. I think yeah. it might be an 87.3 to be exact. He uh, learned he learned his great defense in uh, in Milwaukee, obviously. Maybe Zaza was the real defensive coach. <laughs> We've all been giving Charles Sweeney too much credit all along. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody hey. else see when Sean Sweeney was diagramming that defensive play and Giannis like pointed to something and Sean Sweeney got really excited? And pointed back to him. Did anyone else see that? Yeah, I bought that. <laughs> no, but I'm going to need a vine of that. So I've, that I've already done it? that, Mike. It's out there. Yeah, it's it's like really, I don't I don't know how I feel about it. Because on one hand, it's like, oh, cool, Giannis is getting involved. And on the other hand, like, did he fix his play? Like, did Giannis <laughs> look and say, oh, no, coach, it should be over there. And Chauncey was like, oh, yeah, you're right. So I'm, I'm kind of buying the Zaza was the real mastermind thing at this point. All praise to Zaza. I guess. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember where we were going before this. Miles Plumlee Fells has just derailed the podcast. Watch out for this to be a race. I'm watching Vines of Giannis on the Behind the Buck Twitter, so let's move on. Did we, yeah, uh, there's there's quite about... a lot of Giannis Vines there. It's becoming a problem. Did we um, talk about J.O.B. yet? Did I miss that? No, we're going to get to that in the mailbag, so I'm going to hold off on that. Before we go to the mailbag, yeah. though, what we're going to do, you remember last week we went through the games for the week and we made some predictions. They went well. Am I still winning? Uh, <laughs> I definitely should have predicted that the Knicks would win. What I will I say is, Mike, you, along with Jordan, you're probably the most loyal to the books, as in your record with these predictions matches the team. Both of you are 1-3 and three right now. Um, there we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down our leaderboard. Oh, yeah, I'm winning. I'm so, no, you're not winning. You're not anymore. Um, <laughs> our leader is not even on the podcast. <laughs> our leader is Mike Helm, who does our, our sort of daily preview pieces. 
Um, so Mike has been putting his predictions in at the end of each one, and I've been putting ours alongside it. So Mike at the moment has a two and two record, and um, with a differential of fifty six points, he's been out. I'm also two and two. I've been out by sixty eight points overall. Ty's two and two has been out by sixty nine points overall. By one. Okay, I'm gonna call myself second. You're you're third. Mike is first. Mike is first. I'm second. You're third. I'm a huge Mike Helm fan, but Mike Helm gets to do the predictions the day before the game. Yeah, he gets he got to watch the first three games. He got to watch the first two games and then decide on that Raptors game. This is interesting. I'm gonna have to watch out see if a pattern emerges in this. Well, yeah. I mean, if I had seen the Knicks game, I would have taken Raptors by like six thousand. Ty, if you're if you're making that statement now, I can't believe uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear quite a lot of this once we get to Jordan and Mike, because Jordan is one and three, and he's been out by seventy six points, mm. and in spectacular fashion. Really close. I I'm, I should really be second at you, Ty. Mike is one and three, um, ninety seven points out overall in his predictions across the four games. Just trying to give you guys some... Uh, head start. Head start. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. We appreciate that. With that in mind, let's look to the week ahead. We'll have three games between now and our next podcast. Um, thankfully for the books, after winning tonight, tonight was a big deal. Beating Brooklyn was a really, really important game because the next three games, we'll see them... At home to the 76ers, on the road to the Knicks, and at home to face the Nets again. Real chance to get back to 500 and for everything to sort of be everything to be right for the books going forward and give them a chance to really kick on. We'll start off with Wednesday's game. I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday's game against the 76ers. The one thing I guess maybe that we'll have to look out for is, aside from TJ McConnell, of course, is Okafor and Noel down low. Um, both of them have been doing a really good job inside. It'll be interesting to see how the books counter that. This is the sort of game where if Henson was healthy, um, which we don't know if he will be, but if they were going to ever play some Henson-Monroe together, this would be the style to go with for it or... Otherwise, I guess we'll see a lot of Giannis at the four just to try and give as much length as possible. Um, what way do you guys see this game playing out? What are your predictions? Um, Jabari is back. That's the big thing. He's going to play 15 to 20 minutes. Right, that's what Kid said. So I'm <clears throat> assuming that that'll probably be <laughs> replacing the 48 minutes Bayless played tonight. <laughs> That was the most Jason Kidd moment of my life. Right? Bayless hits three straight threes. This dude's playing the whole game. He's so hot. <laughs> he was so tired. I was like, uh, they took a time out at about four minutes left, and I was actually about to tweet it, because you could just see Bayless on the bench with his head in his hands. Copeland had played zero minutes. I was like, just put, put Copeland, Copeland played in five for... seconds, first of all. Yeah. But at this time, he, he hadn't played a second at all, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I... Uh, I but I was like, I just, put, just put Copeland in for 60 seconds. You you could take him out again. Just just literally give Bayless two plays off. 
No. I mean, before the game, his headband was white, and then due to all the sweat, it turned to black. I mean, that's what's so crazy. <laughs> oh, Jordan. <laughs> so, if Jabari's getting 15, Enos is getting 15. Or he'll probably get lower than that, but um, I definitely see a win. By how many? Mm, who's who's announcing the game is what I want to know. I don't know. I feel like we should have a schedule. Because if it's going to be Gus Johnson, I'm definitely going to go like three points. But if it's going to be anyone else, I'm gonna... Can I have the logic in this, please? Yeah, yeah I have no idea. <laughs> Gus Johnson has never called a blowout in his life. What about the season game. opener? The next game. Sorry, you're right. Before he came, <laughs> before he came, before he was for the Bucks. Every time that Gus Johnson was an announcer for a like some random game on Fox Sports that on like a Wednesday, it was like triple overtime, like ridiculous endings. Like that's what he got famous for. And he has ridiculously great calls. Yeah, he's really good. Barnyardy. Hearing him call... Barnyardy, yeah. yeah, Hearing him say Rise and Fire for Giannis 3 and then Pure is like... It's like pure ecstasy for me. Like, even before I was like a huge Bucks fan, I was a huge Gus Johnson March Madness announcing fan. And when the the Bucks announced that he's going to be calling Giannis games, oh my gosh. It's gonna be it's great. so it's so weird that they have like four guys that'll just randomly work together. Like they're not even two teams. <laughs> it's gonna be Johnson and Johnson. Next it's year. like Jason Kidd's lineup, so I mean, it's like plug and play. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, it's like the Hawks and, jerseys, you know, I just mix and match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Paschke and Marcus Johnson. I think that lineup had a good plus or minus. <laughs> I really I really want to see a Marcus Johnson uh John McLaughlin lineup purely for entertainment value. Yeah, it'd be forty eight minutes of stories. There'd be no one else. <laughs> They'd like one up each other. Like, yeah. That's a little unfair because I think so far, and I've seen, I've seen a couple of people observe this on Twitter. Marcus Johnson just gives just a little bit more analysis than Johnny Mac. Just, just a little bit. Um, it's enough. I think as someone, as someone said, um, the difference between the two of them is that Marcus Johnson acknowledges there's another team on the court. Yeah. where Johnny Mac only sees the books. Someone tweeted that Gus Johnson sounded sometimes sounded like the Nets commentator, and I think that's really good. Is in Eagle, I think, isn't it? Yeah, he's so... Uh, oh, not actually like... sounds like him. Okay, yeah, but I know. It, there was times he got excited for a couple of uh, Nets plays, which... Uh, right, he's like a Joe really Johnson. big Joe Johnson fan, right? <laughs> He's not your average Joe. See, that was he's not yeah. your average Joe. I think he just really likes he just really likes when he's got catchphrases for players and he can drop them. Johnny, I think he doesn't think care who they're on. He's just like, boom, Joe Johnson. Every time that guy goes, I'm dropping the catchphrase. I don't think that was a coincidence. It was Joe Johnson because I think he wanted one of those really tight games and he knew his best chance of it was. Let's let's get a Joe Johnson isolation play with 20 seconds to go to send the game to overtime or something. So, yeah, I think he one of those. Is Johnny on the spot? He uses it all the time. JOP, yeah. yeah. How long has really he been well. saving that? What's my name, Adetokounmpo, on the dunk? How long do <laughs> you think he's been? He came up with that like the second he found out what Giannis's name was. He's like, "What's <laughs> this guy's name?" 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Marcus are on like the are on a bus to games. This is how I like to imagine it. They're on a bus to games, and he's like, "What's my name?" <laughs> over and over. Wait, wait, there's one more thing. My favorite thing about Johnny Mac is like just his blind homerism. Is uh during the Wizards game, like he you could just tell he was sensing the comeback. And I want to say it was probably one of like the eight Bradley Beal quarter threes that he just hit or something, something like that. He was like wide open, and Johnny Mac just yells out, "You can't." Do that! <laughs> just, he was like so exhausted. <laughs> My favorite is the Chris Middleton three right after the the Zaza rebound. Chris Middleton random two oh, against the yeah. Heat. It's just like yeah. <laughs> that's in our intro. That's in our podcast intro. That's, yeah, it's fantastic. That's, it's a great. Yeah, happy birthday, Jason Kidd. Just grab. <laughs> that is gonna and be just so the most terribly collection of noises ever. Right. <laughs> Peshki's calls are the worst, by the way. Like, he's a great analytical caster, but when something exciting's happened, like, Gus Johnson is the anti-Jim Peshki. Like, Peshki, like, there was that crazy dunk on Nene. And, oh, I gotta find it, because Peshki's call is just... It's like, it's like Giannis, like, shot a free throw. Well, there's also a, the Greg Malone scene. factor. Oh yeah, can't you can't forget about Astray Greg Malone. Once a game, we will get a Greg Malone of Apache. Oh man, that was a sidetrack into just the the rotating cast of announcers that the books have this season. But I was under the impression that this was McLaughlin Pashkis last year. And this is like them riding it out, and if Johnson and Johnson work out, they're full time next year. I don't know if Johnson will do a full-time season, though. Gus Johnson? Yeah. Or Marquise Johnson? I think no, he Gus. will. I think... I, I remember reading the interview right when he got announced that he said that it was his dream to, like... He was he was sad that it was only 20 games and he was hoping next year it would be more. I mean, they should, they should sort of sneakily find a way to bump that up. I mean... <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to be a... a... a real employee. I mean, you, if you can get some more... Uh, some more games out of Gus Johnson, I think they should do it straight away. Yeah. And I mean, maybe Gus Johnson, if I'm Gus Johnson, I would much rather be with one team than be bouncing around doing like football and random baseball games, which he's not good at calling baseball, first of all. No one's good at calling baseball. Strike! (laughs) Here's the thing. Like, they should just have... I mean, even if Johnson does have to miss a few games to go do other things. Like, if they can get him for, like, 70. Like, just get Telly in for the last 10. You know, give Telly Hughes a shot. We're, we're only Telly, the future. Let's develop Telly Hughes mentality. interviewed a president of the United States. He can do anything. Telly if you told me before the season that Telly Hughes would be interviewing a president of the United States during the Bucks halftime, I would have punched you in the face. <laughs> Did you see how in- how um, how irritated Mark Lasry was by that at the yeah, end? He, he just wanted to get back to his shoulder. Yeah, he just wanted to get back to his seat. Was, there's just like this head resting there. It's like, who is that? What? Why are they like jumping in on the interview with the president? And it was yeah. Mark Lasry. Um, also. 
what were they? Did you notice he was wearing the old, yeah, the old logo? Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Who Lazarus was? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, retro, man. He was wearing books. Retro. books red. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was wearing my retro Brandon Jennings jersey yesterday. Yeah, but you see, you didn't start a whole campaign about how you couldn't find gear anywhere. So that was quite a lot of money. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, okay, um, that whole rebrand's great. Now you're wearing the old gear. It's like, okay. Anyway, Mike, you say books win. By how many? Three. By three, okay. Five, five. Can you run by five? Okay. They're going to betray me and like win by like 36. Yeah, the one time you go low. Yeah, I got bucks by, I got bucks by 20. <laughs> That's what you had tonight as well, Ty. Okay. I'm not going to change my... I'm not Mike. You're not going to get me to change. This I don't want to change you. Dude, the Sixers, the Sixers uh, they don't look bad. Okafor is going to destroy Greg Monroe. I'm playing him in all my fantasy lineups on Wednesday. I think it's more Noel well that don't have to worry Mike's about. Mike's fan duel hot tip of the podcast, Okafor on Wednesday. <laughs> and Giannis Okafor literally every, every night. Yeah, Okafor every day. Jordan, your prediction? We're saying Bucks by 12. And Jabari scores 12 points in his debut. 12 points. All okay. three. I'll put that down. Jabari, 12 points. Oh. Shout out to you, Jordan, because you got the only one of these Random. extra extra picks right. Mike was really close. I'd I'd already given it to Mike for Yanis in the Wizards game. Uh, <laughs> just slowed down. But you did predict three steals for Yanis in the Wizards game. Um. And he got he got three steals, so I don't know. We haven't I haven't figured out some way to reward you in terms of scoring for that. So this is all praise, that matters. The praise we'll have to do. Um, I'm gonna go books by fourteen. I think much like the Sixers have done a bit of this, they're a good team, much better than people think. They'll hang tight for most of the game, but like they did, sort of late in the third tonight, I think it was against the Cavs, they then sort of fall away and lose their way a bit. And I think the books will stretch it out a bit. The win by a decent margin, but it won't be as easy as it will look on, on the scoreboard. Moving on, then, what order are we in? On the road to the Knicks. And um, trying to avenge that loss. The thing, for, the thing about this is, I've now watched the Knicks a few times. Um, the Knicks are much, much better than I expected. This was one of the things I said before the season. People. People laughed at me. I said the Knicks would be good. I said the Trailblazers oh. would be surprisingly good. And I said the Pistons would be really good. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't mean to sidetrack this. Jordan's <laughs> excited. Show. It's, you've already begun. I have, to, I have to throw some shame at a, at a promotion that the Bucks are running. Okay. This is my cell box of, for the day. They're new. running a promotion that if the Bucks. Score over ninety points. Pop, you get a Papa John's pizza for fifty or fifty percent off on a Papa John's pizza. That's such a the sad. Knicks last bar. year, the Knicks last year, they had D League players and players that aren't even the NBA, like Shved, uh Ricky Lido. I want to say was on the Knicks, and they cobbled up ninety-one points per game last year. <laughs> They're running a promotion that is guaranteed to work every game. 
So really, that's a great is, promotion, not yeah, a bad no, promotion. Not Jordan. <laughs> yeah, really, it's Papa John's who it's loses money. Business. The Bucks are getting their fans the best deal. Why do you have to hate on the Bucks? You should be hating on Papa John's. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Papa John's, bad business. I mean, there's a Papa yeah. John's like ten minutes from my house, so I might try that out. You gotta cook. You gotta yeah. cook the. You gotta cook the pizza at your house, anyways. So it's not even a real place. That's, no, that's Papa Murphy's. That's, that's Papa Murphy's. Oh. What's pa- which one's Papa John's? I would understand the ninety. Papa John's points. is Peyton Manning. Yeah. Papa Murphy's. I've never heard of Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's is like. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It, it is good, but they're, it's, they're you can place without an oven. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and you just like go and you they make it and you take it home and you cook it in your. It's own. like, that's like half the work. So it's, it's like the supermarket then. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, but only for pizza. Okay. It's better. It's, real, it. it's honestly good. I used to go. Hey, yeah, it's, I'm making fun of it, but it's honestly a pretty good place. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to someday. I'll have to mark off my book at this Papa Murphy's. Um, <laughs> where? Oh, where were we? Nick's. Thanks for that, Jordan. Um, <laughs> I don't, the Knicks are better than we expected. Was basically where we are. Do we think that the books are gonna have any problems with them a second time around? Uh, um, okay. No, and I'd like to make a prediction. Prediction: Giannis forty. Jeez, <laughs> he's zero for three, by the way. Reasons why Giannis will drop forty in New York, and he wasn't there for the first game, couldn't play. He's gonna hate the Knicks because they destroyed them. We've also got the historical Giannis Knicks factor. Yeah, forgetting the other thing, they just cut Tanasis too. Yeah, exactly. They this just cut Tanasis. This is a Giannis. This is a Giannis forty-point game. The stink face was only the start of it last year. Yeah, well, I mean that was that was before they cut Tanasis. I don't want to see this guy. Right? Exactly. How dare you cut my brother? I'll say bucks by ten. How much? Who'd the Knicks play tonight? The Spurs, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see the Zingus dunk? Yeah, did you see him yeah. almost die? He did quite a few things. Um, Carmelo Anthony Spurs jumped on his... Yeah, 94-84 they finished. Yeah, 10 points. Uh, I'm going to go Bucks by like 6. We have a new approach this week, Mike. Yeah, I'm... So I'm it's going to be to go for 40 for the Bucks to win by 6. Yeah, it's going to be a rough game, dude. <laughs> okay. Jordan. Uh, Bucks by seven. Oh, my God. Price is right, Jordan. <laughs> I know. I, I can't I can't help myself. And I think Monroe gets over... Th- or, hmm. Monroe, Monroe gets 30. You guys, you guys love these extra predictions. I mean, I want to, I want to throw one in because I haven't done one yet, and you guys are gonna be so surprised <laughs> by <laughs> for the next game. No one's gonna guess what I'm about to say. I've got one for the for the next game too. So if you take mine, I'm gonna be upset. I doubt it. I got Michael Carter Williams triple double in the next game. Oh. I'm gonna go like, Michael like Carter 10, Williams. 10, 10. I'm gonna go five steals. Oh. What if both things happen? Can you imagine if it's like 12, 10, 11, 5? I actually can't imagine both things happening. That'd be um, insane. It would be insane. 
Um, I got another prediction. Oh, God. Giannis dunks so hard that he gets rid of Derek Williams' awful hi- head highlights or whatever that those things are. So that's, that's a specific. Giannis he dunks. Breaks, he the breaks the sour barrier to ruin Derek Williams' hair. <laughs> I hope not. I like Derek Williams. <sighs> Man, that's a pretty bold prediction. <laughs> Where do you come? Exactly. <laughs> Last game of the week will be once again against the Nets, and this time back in Milwaukee. So the Bucks go New York, Milwaukee, New York, Milwaukee. Yeah, pretty much. What a great scheduling! <laughs> great job. What do you guys think? Are the Nets gonna be any more? A problem when they're on the road. It seems unlikely. No. No, probably Bucks by eight. By eight, okay. But I don't know if I gave my prediction the last one. I'm going Bucks by four against the Knicks. Oh. <laughs> Nets at home. Jabari's third game. No, I've actually I bet it's his, I bet they don't he doesn't play the Knicks game. Yeah, because that's what they said he that's won't play. Oh well are they back to back? It is a back to back, is it? Uh um, probably would stay back a bit. No, uh, actually, they just had a back to back. No, the the Brooklyn game will be the second night of a back to back. I well, think yeah, I I say he misses the Knicks game and he plays the Brooklyn yeah, and then he's three days off before they play again. Also, can we talk about how they're saying he's play, cleared to play, but he played in a scrimmage, like already? He was cleared to practice. Uh, from what I read, he was cleared to practice, but he wasn't cleared for in-game action. Part of that was that the doctor they had them seeing in New York was the Mets team doctor. So today is the first time they could see him clearly sure the World Series, which is just completely bizarre. Um, I think we that's all also, know that's Jabari, also the dude who did Jabari's surgery. Yeah, I think we all know Jabari has been technically healthy for a while. I mean, mm. if this was later in the season and they wanted him to go, he could have gone and could have built his way up. I mean, this is why there was talk of him playing a preseason, and then eventually that was just sort of. Well, let's let him work his way back slowly, which was the right thing to do. Um, By the way, they picked a really good month for him to quote-unquote play back-to-backs because there's only two back-to-backs in November. and the, They cut down the, a lot on Knicks, Nets, and Nugget Celtics, is it? Or? Yeah, then the next one after that is like the 15th and 16th of December where they're in L.A., so, so he's not going to miss a whole lot anyway. Yeah. This Jabari thing with the doctor is just another reason I hate Chicago sports. If the Cubs didn't implode against the Mets, Jabari could have been active so much earlier because he could have went and saw his doctor. But they had to just explode, <laughs> even though they swept that team in seven games in the regular season. I still don't like you, Chicago. I still don't like you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Jordan, what's your prediction for the Brooklyn right. match? Uh, Bucks by 13. And. Oh, 
I want to say whoever is announcing the game, they say Andrea Bargnarni again. <laughs> I am hashtag Bargnarni. You're in trouble if it's not Gus Johnson. I mean, it might be Andrea Malone. Oh, too fast to say Greg Malone. <laughs> it's going to be Andrea Malone. I mean, if only we still had Sid for this game. Because Sid probably could say Bargnani five different ways, and none of them would be Bargnani. You never. Sid might end up back in if if they need to make that a five man rotation at some point. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, Giannis should just get forty eight minutes a game. That's a good prediction. <laughs> Chances are someone is gonna get that. <laughs> did you guys see? I we're gonna get off topic here, but did you see that kid said uh, after the game about Bayless's forty seven minutes that uh, someone was gonna play a lot of minutes tonight? Meanwhile, Inglis and Vaughn both got DNPs. Yeah, for the second straight game. And as you say, Copeland got five seconds. Yeah. Five. Five seconds. I didn't even yeah. know that there were time enough for him to be subbed in and out and only five seconds of an NBA game elapse. Yeah, according to the, uh, the ESPN box score, he has literally nothing. No minutes, no stats, no shot attempts, just zeros. Is there... Is... Is there an update on MCW? I know there was a little... He was fine. He said he slipped, and his ankle's fine. Okay. He said, like, there's there's a couple slips tonight on that end of the court, so... It was, like, yeah, it was, like, that should have been in travel, yeah. Yeah, that one, what's his name, Mark and Yeah, how is that not a travel? I don't know. I don't think they really call slips anymore. It's the NBA, man. Sometimes things are just not out of travel. Yeah, sometimes superstars like Shane Larkin just get the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot where I was now. Oh, um, Golden State's up 35 on uh, Memphis. I've seen that. The, the Warriors are absolutely killing the Grizzlies right now. <laughs> Steph, Steph Curry nuts. He's just nuts. unfair. Like, He's the first person who I can send highlights to my non-basketball-watching friends, and they'll, like, reply, like, Jesus. Like, that dude's so good. Terrence Ross has just agreed to an extension with the Raptors as well. Did he get paid, like, $8 million? Everyone's getting paid now. No, he got $11 million. Oh, my. Whoa! Like, Three why, years, why 33. Why did teams just dump... So much we paid Larry Sanders. <laughs> Larry Sanders was, like, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Down the line when he got that money. For like six months. Terrence Ross did drop like, did he do 50 a game? Right? Like two years ago? Yeah, yeah, it was two years ago. Oh. Hasn't done very much in quite a long time. <laughs> what, didn't he get like five minutes in the Bucks game? Something. He played a lot. Did he? He had a couple of threes, I remember. He's basically, he's basically a dunk contest representative. That's what he is. Um, yeah. I, I, I really don't feel bad about the Henson deal with some of these old deals I'm saying. Jeremy Lamb got three yes. years, $21 million. Like, Jeremy, we don't even know what Jeremy Lamb is. And that's at the expense of P.J. Hurston because the Hornets oh, yeah. aren't taking up his option. Anyway, also, to get back Brooklyn, on track because we need to get Brooklyn, to the mailbag. Sorry. <laughs> Very quickly, prediction, Mike, for the Brooklyn game. Um, Eight-point win... That's pretty much it. Okay. I'm going to go... I think this is the game where they could really open up and win by pretty big margin. 
I'm going to go Bucks by 18. Ooh. Now, time for the mailbag. Mailbag. We have five entries this week, although three of them are of fairly dubious origin. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we'll start off. First question comes in from at Riley Feldman. Um, question is, with Mayo returning, is Rashad Vaughn's season for the moment over, at least in-game on the court? <sighs> um, Over? No, but for the time being, I don't think we see a lot of him. I mean, we talked about this... <laughs> And we said, look, it's not what anybody's going to want to see coming out of preseason where he played really strong, but this is what happens to rookies in the NBA. Yeah, especially 19-year-old rookies who uh, don't really play defense. Yeah, like it's really not a surprise. I guess the only surprising part is, say, for example, with Mayo injured, and as you said, tonight with Bayless having to play 40, 47, 48 minutes, that's the sort of time you think, well, maybe he will get a few minutes. But it doesn't surprise me. I think his role is going to be incredibly limited, barring major injuries this season. Um, I mean, maybe even not barring major injuries at this point. The yeah. problem I saw is usually there's two times that a rookie will play, and that's if there's major injuries or if there's a blowout. I was sad we didn't see Inglis and Vaughn when the Bucks were down a lot against the Raptors and against the Knicks. They, against they played the yesterday. They played Toronto. Really? It wasn't think, much, but they played. I think as the year goes on, we'll either make a trade or we'll, someone... We won't be fully healthy, and I I think Vaughn will eventually get some burn, and it all depends on how well he plays if he stays. But I, I really think Inglis is... Just minute, like ha- getting the minutes away from being in the rotation. I think his his defense, especially. I think it was the Knicks game. I want to say there were stretches. There were a couple times where it was like two on one. It was like a two on one fast break, and it was just English, and he like stopped the two on one fast break. Like his defense is really good, and I think if if he just plays more. If he just gets on the court, he'll earn enough. He'll earn kids' respect enough to get more time. I guess that's the um, interesting question. Then, do you feel he'll get any more burn than Vaughn will get this year? Inglis? Yeah. If Copeland doesn't like figure the defense out, yeah, probably. Yeah, is is Copeland officially in the doghouse right now? Yeah. I mean, in, in uh, he was team, he's, been, he's been shooting his way like out of it, but I mean, he got zero minutes in a game where the Bucks are still beat up, and the one position that guys are getting DMP'd in is guard, not forward, which is like the hole right now that he was supposed to fill, and he got zero minutes in this game. I mean, the problem I have with that is what what did they expect? I mean, he's shooting above fifty percent. From three-point range, that's about that's about Copeland's best-case scenario because he doesn't really play defense. He's not a great defender at all. I mean, we mm-hmm. talked about this to death at the time. Every time his name would come up, we'd run away and say, "Oh well, actually, there's these other options too." Um, like, I mean, what were they expecting from him other than 
really, really poor defense. I don't I know. Think but he's a better fit with Henson. I don't think he's a good fit with Plumley. Plumley's obviously not played that well. I don't think anyone's a good fit with Plumley. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that is. I mean, the Bucks really didn't expect the Henson Mayo injuries right off the bat, and if they were, if all along they knew Jabari was coming back five games, six games in, then if you look at the moves they made as think as them knowing the whole time that Jabari's coming back five games in, they kind of make a little more sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. As opposed to what we all thought was Jabari coming back in January. Yeah. You know, instead of trying to fill that hole at forward for 40 games, you're trying to fill it for five. And Copeland's fine. Next question comes from Mailbag Regular at Pencil2292. Pencil is... He's listened enough to basically know how to cause some trouble with his mailbag questions, and that is completely what the intention this is. I already know what this question is, and I have a perfect answer. (laughs) Mike Mike comes prepared. Would this team be 0-3 if it was led by Brandon Knight and not MCW? Let's try this like under under <sighs> forty minutes if possible. Would last. would they be? So I thought the question originally was would they be better, but would they be zero and three? Absolutely not. Brandon Knight probably would have won that next game, and he Go maybe on, could have. What What was your thoughts on would they be better? So, I think they'd be. Worse. I think if M- er, I think if Knight runs the team all year last year, I don't think Giannis gets the point that he is right now. I don't think he ever has those growing pains from last year of trying to be a dominant scorer. And I think him trying to do that last year and realizing how hard it was made him work extra hard over the summer. But... I really, I, th- I think we probably would have won the Knicks game. The Wizards game with Giannis back, we probably win because I think Knight probably trades a couple threes with Beal and we don't go down, go from 10 up to, it's like, what, 11 down, like, mm-hmm. in like three minutes as Beal and Wall just hit three after three. I feel like Knight stops, hits a couple threes and... When you trade three for three is a little different than when you trade three stop, three stop. In terms of just momentum and the score, obviously. God, Steph Curry is just... It's like every play I'm getting a vine of him just making a ridiculous play. Do we know how many points he's on right now? No. Let's see. Steph Curry is currently on... He's on 30 points with two minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. And there's no way he's playing in the fourth at all. Oh, I have I have Mike Conley in my fantasy team. Um, Mike Conley, possibly the best defensive point guard in the league. Mm-hmm. His plus yeah. minus right now is minus 41. <laughs> it doesn't even matter, though, because it's... Steph Curry is just ridiculous. I'll answer the mailbag question now. If we're going <laughs> yeah, let's all right. Let's hear. Wow, Ty isn't the one sidetracking us. 
At least mine are a little bit related. You guys are just like, oh, yeah, MCW night. By the way, look at Steph Curry. Because, uh, uh, My Twitter auto updates. You can't. I can't. It's help. Jordan. Jordan has brought us most off track tonight because we talked about pizza for a while. And so. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Ty. If we're doing, uh, would they be zero and three? A hundred percent agree with Mike. Absolutely not. Probably two and one after those games. I don't know if Toronto's winnable even with Brandon Knight, uh, who obviously made the offense run quite a bit better. Probably not because uh, Toronto's going to be better than I thought they would be this year. If they would be a better team right now, I think yes. Um, I get that you know Giannis had to carry a bit more of the load, just like points-wise, but if you look at shots-wise, Brandon Knight only took .3 field goals more than MCW did last season, and he only scored 1.7 more points per field goal. He just did it a lot more efficiently both from the field and from three. Uh, a little bit less passer, as we all know. One defensive rating point worse on defense. Uh, but pretty much every other advanced stat goes night. Uh, I, I just think he's a better player. Um, I'm not sure if Michael Carter-Williams' length plus defense is ever going to be enough to make up for the shooting loss from the two players. Uh, There's a little thing. People, people are saying that sort of Brandon Knight's a clearly inferior defender to Michael Carter-Williams. I'm not sure that's true. I think people look at Michael Carter-Williams as so much longer and he'll make crazy steals like the clutch one tonight. But Brandon Knight's definitely not a bad defender. Uh, I, I just think he's definitely the better player. Uh, I think that he is modest and down-to-earth enough to accept the new dawn of life under Giannis. And I, I don't think it would have been as much of a problem as it, it is seen as by some. Here's the the thing for me on this, and I guess right now there there can't be much of a question that Brandon Knight is a better player than MCW. I just don't know how much that matters because right now, as we're talking about, this isn't this is more going to be if if Brandon Knight was still there, this is still Yanis' team or this is still Greg Monroe's team. I mean, it wouldn't be his and. It's in that way that fit, and it's not even talking about the length or the defense and those sort of identity-driven fits that that were talked about a lot when, when the move first happened. But it's just in terms of one of the criticisms being put at the books before the season started even was, how are they going to divide who has the ball? Everyone's going to want to have the ball. How will it work out? And in that sense, I think that stands true for Michael Carter-Williams, but less so than Brandon Knight. Um. I mean, I, I think sort of the the long-term impacts of Brandon Knight still being there will be something like, say, Chris Middleton will completely disappear. I mean, where does Chris Middleton get the ball if Brandon Knight's still there? I, I mean, think... I, just, I don't buy the argument because Brandon Knight has a lesser usage percentage than Michael Carter-Williams does. But yeah, but that's if you're talking for his career, I mean, Michael... No, Michael I'm Carter, talking about last season. Just last season. But we've already... But the difference between that is... The books didn't have anyone to lean on, which is part of the reason why the Brandon Knight move was controversial, because they had no one ready and waiting to go and step up. So Michael yeah, Carter-Williams came from a situation where he literally had all the usage in the world because he played for the 76ers, and part of that has carried over. It carried over the first game of this season, but then you see a night like tonight where he doesn't use the ball quite as heavily as maybe at some other times. 
I think we need a little bit more. I, I don't feel comfortable in any real discussions right now on this trade, even as compared to what it was a few months ago, because I just feel we need this season to play out and we need to see MCW given a really sort of fair shot at it before we can make any sort of true reading on whether it was the right move or not. I mean, just one last little thing. I mean, I mean you said yourself, Brandon Knight was the offense before he got traded. And his usage percentage was still less than Michael Carter Williams's. I mean, he he wasn't taking as many shots as people people think he's taking like 30 shots a game with the Bucks. It just wasn't happening. Knight wasn't that really the offense or the reason why we were winning all those games. We were winning all those games because Dudley and Bayless and Mayo were just having ridiculous games as a bench, and we just had the, we just like went on a streak of like 10 games where our bench was scoring crazy and we had a pretty good defense and we had a good offense. I mean. Our record last year wasn't really. It was forty-one and forty-one, and our record with Knight, I feel like, would have probably fallen just as bad as it did with MCW in the second half. I don't think either of those players affect the team enough to where they were. <clears throat> like MCW, what we were thirty and twenty-one at break, and then MCW came in and we were eleven and something, eleven and twenty. Two, I think. I don't know. I'm trying to remember all these numbers. But I just... I think that we've had way more bigger problems than... I know everyone loves the MCW Night debate, and it'll... It'll be... I'm sure it'll be a source of years and years. It'll be the James Harden trade of this era, but only for us fans, because James Harden will... or Brandon Knight will never be that good, but... I just... I've always thought that MCW Middleton were like, in terms of a big three, I always thought Giannis Jabari and then like MCW Middleton as a backcourt together were the third player in my mind because they've got the defense to like lock down because you're going to have to lock down backcourts like Curry and, and I think MCW Middleton have a better chance of reaching that peak of being able to lock down the elite Backcourts than Knight Middleton would have ever had. Just, uh, I hadn't checked until now, but Brandon Knight's had a fantastic start to this season, for what it's worth. 25 and 4 on 50% from the field and 39 from three point range. Probably might help a little bit. I think one thing, though. Not as much as Zaza, Ty. I think they're <laughs> Coach, Coach Zaza. Brandon Knight was not drawing up defensive schemes, so I mean. We're going to weigh which move hurts more. It's definitely Zaza. I'm going to move us on from this. I have lots more thoughts on it myself, but it's for another day. Um, I, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an off-season pod topic. Look, we'll do a whole it's off-season even, it, look, pod it, next it's, year. It's an on-season pod as well. It'll come up again later in the year. It's, a, it's one for, say, when the books are about to play the Suns. It's going to keep coming up, and there'll be new wrinkles to add to it every time, but... There's just we're nowhere near a definitive answer that we could literally debate it for hours and get nowhere nowhere close to it. Um, I want one word to two word answers for this one. I'll just give the background first. We got three questions tweeted into us from a Twitter account with the handle of at books mailbag. Um, let me just pull up exactly what the file says. So at books mailbag is an account built to fuel questions for the books mailbag. It's basically been designed purely to give us questions, um, which is which is interesting. I don't know who it is. I had some theories, but um, 
Definitely not me. But that was my first theory, to be fair. But I don't know. Yeah, he told Adam told me about this. And he's like, I think it's Mike. And I'm like the bio and every single question. I count zero errors. That's I'm, not my phone. What is? Dude, my phone's autocorrect. I don't know. I've just given up. It, it has one victory over my life, and I'm just gonna accept it. I'm just gonna accept the random autocorrects that it decides are the correct things that I want to say, and that's just how it's gonna be. That's fair. Yeah. One way or another, whoever whoever this is, we might, we might find out in time, but they sent in three questions. One of them we've asked already, and that's basically both Vaughn. Um, the next one I want us to answer basically in sort of a word or a phrase each, and that's what are your biggest concerns for games in? Defense. Bench. Mm, this is going to be a little longer, but try to mix the pace of really young and fast guys and, <laughs> and very slow guys. Way too many I'll do Sorry. a second one. Right. You one need to say that again. As one said, could you try to say it as words individually? I know. Right? Like, <laughs> like to trick us, like they were all different answers. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't literally remember the previous word because I was trying to focus on the next one. Right, because the pauses are just too long. I can <laughs> go again, Jordan. Go again. Jordan, try to mix and match. Oh my God! This you could have just said Hawks jerseys. Hawks. Trying to balance youth and slow oldness. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. My second could say. Pace. Pace. No. Oh my God. Pace. There we go. Well, I'm gonna say energy. Oh, that's a good one. Last question, and without a doubt, the most important question of the entire podcast. <laughs> is J-O-B for real? Yes. Is he a real person? I think so. Otherwise, we need like reports on his ghostness. But is he a real basketball player? I, I think so. He, I don't think he was as bad as he was last year, I think. I like your, your literal answering of the question. I, I tried this at half time. And what I found is a lot of our followers, they take things literally. I asked, was the Bucks tied to their joint highest point score at half time with Yanis? Was it A, Jared Bayless, or B, an imposter? Yeah, Jared Bayless won like 80%. Yeah, I was like, okay, no fun for you, Bucks fans. Um, <laughs> I voted imposter. So did I, Ty. So did I. I think so we were the only two. I still believe there must have been an imposter. A Jared Bayless that can make all those trees and last 48 minutes? To not be a, fair. Not of this I world. Mean, I wrote an ill-fated Jared Bayless piece last year, and he does way, way better when he plays more minutes. Like, by in the 10-minute things, basketball reference does. Like, his numbers pretty much increase every time from, like, 10 to 20 to 30 and to 40. So he's like the opposite of the law of diminishing returns, is Jared Bayless. Yes, he's the law of increasing returns. He's <laughs> a law unto himself. Um, J-O-B... My J-O-B thing is... Oh, no, you go. Like, people are... I, this is the crazy thing for me, is people are still treading J-O-B. I'm like, oh, what has he done wrong? I mean, what was it, the four assists? Is that what offended you? He was pretty garbage last year. 
But I no, think I'm he not was... talking about last year. Last year he was terrible. We all know I that. know, but I think people are just still have that. It's only been four games, but if we can get excited about Giannis, we can get excited about Joe B. Um, I, th- I think last year he wasn't as bad as he was. I think didn't he have to like he came he off thrown of into injury. having to start a couple of yeah. years. He was a second round pick rookie. I mean, uh, yeah, second pound. He started his first game coming off of an injury. Yeah, and didn't he miss like all of the preseason? Yeah, he he With came out. What do you have? Yeah, so second round pick. Misses the preseason where the whole team learns about this brand new defense that's super And of super course, weird. Jason Kidd goes. <laughs> Jason Kidd goes. I'm gonna games. start you. Like that was <laughs> that was the most. That was the most Jason Kidd thing before tonight. Yeah, before, before Jared Bayless, 48 minutes. It was actually the most Jason Kidd thing to ever happen happened at the end of this game when the Bucks were up like three and Monroe gets a the rebound and passes it to Michael Carter Williams instead of Chris Middleton standing right there. And Kidd instantly calls a timeout because he's like, There is no way I'm letting Michael <laughs> Carter Williams shoot these free throws. Um was, I that was hilarious. That's why, he's my, that's why he's my favorite, because he comes up with, like, the cup spill incident. That was great. Maybe he threw that pick on the court, too, by the way. That was hilarious. <laughs> he didn't use that time. We actually, that is that true. Right we don't know the origin of the pick I was thinking that right away. I was like, what if he told some guy to throw it? <laughs> Next Bucks game I go to, I'm buying something that has pickles and throwing them on the court. So next time there's a delay, I want you guys to all know that I caused the pickle delay. Mike's gonna get arrested based on this yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I want to do my I want to do my job thing. Here's my job thing. He knows his role and plays it better than anyone maybe I've ever seen. Like job is the most team oriented player. Job is the new Ursan in drawing charges, but he's not the new Ursan <laughs> in taking shots. There, I have it pulled up right here. Johnny O'Brien. 72.7 of his shot attempts have been catch and shoot so far this season. The other, out of the rest of that, 18.2 or less than 10 feet. So only 9% of his shots are ill-advised pull-up jumpers, which is smart. My other JLB thing is he's actually been really good and leads the Bucks in plus-minus at plus 0.5. Yeah, I was going to say that. The only Bucks player in plus. I mean, that's, I love that's the definitive answer. The franchise himself, J-O-B. Uh, yeah, what, what we really need to start talking about is what kind of role Jabari's going to have now that J-O-B is the starter. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we're worried about these minutes limitations because Jabari's going to be getting used to life on the bench. Um, <laughs> He's used to it. He's been there for the last month, this six is, months. This is J-O-B's train from here, and the books are going to have to ride it to wherever it takes them. This is J-O-B's world. We're all just living in it. Yeah, the, that's, I think there's no better note to finish the podcast on than that. Actually, I would I would like to make one announcement. I would like us all to start adding the three to JLB3 because he is Johnny O'Brien the third, and I find that we've been being disrespectful. I mean, I, I think it's the opposite. Player. I feel we're honoring all the JLBs. All of the JLBs? Yeah. The whole, the whole family. are we missing all of the JLBs at the same time? What did his grandfather do to you? I, I, I don't diss JLB. I'm, I'm lauding... Johnny O'Brien the first, but every time. By the way, no, you go, Jordan. It's funny hearing Marcus Johnson call him Johnny O. (laughs) He calls him Johnny O. That should be a thing. My first, my first favorite (laughs) JOB thing is that he's a very team-oriented player, 
He doesn't take that many shots and he takes charges. My second favorite JLB thing is he might be the only NBA player aged I don't know, like 25 and under to not have a Twitter account. JLB has no time for Twitter. JLB is amazing. I think I think I could make a book out of things I love about JLB. That book for, that book would sell really well as well. Uh, uh, Johnny yeah. Ryan household. <laughs> to all of the all, JLB. All of them. Yeah. Um, Johnny O'Brien's the most unique role player ever. <laughs> like for the guy, for the guy I'm just going to finish up now. You'll hear Ty talking over me in the background about J-O-B. Um, but this could be like our new outro. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. Um, Ever- thanks, and none of you are going to listen again. Anyone who did, they're going to find some other non-J-O-B podcast. But thanks to Jordan, Mike, and Ty for being on. Um, Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and we'll be back next week. Bye.